Okay. Good morning, everyone. Um, if you've not met me, my name is Stuart Lee of the church. Very warm welcome to you. If you've got a Bible, can you go to Micah? Please, the prophet Micah, at the end of our Old Testament. We're in chapter 3 this week. Chapter 3. A couple of weeks back, we started looking at this series. It's time from the prophet Micah. We've done chapters 1. We've done chapters 2. We've been getting into this prophetic book full of imagery, poetic language, repetition, very different style to what we've been looking at previously. We did through the whole Gospel of Mark, and we've now come to look at some of our prophetic literature. A little bit of reminder, if you missed the last two weeks, please go back and catch up. It helps you give some context to what we're doing about the prophet Micah. He was a prophet of God that spoke to the people of God um, as when they were settled in the promised land, which had been promised to Abraham, uh, then uh, under jo- Moses they'd come out of slavery, through Joshua they'd land in the land, then they'd been appointed kings, they'd had Saul, they'd had David, they'd have Solomon, and the kingdom of the people of God had risen to its highest point in terms of prosperity and flourishing, but then at the end of Solomon's reign it was on a downward spiral, the kingdom split Civil war, you had Israel in the north, you had Judah in the south, and the Israel, the northern kingdom, was just on a downward tilt with bad king after bad king worshipping idols. The southern kingdom wasn't doing too much better, and into that the prophets speak. And Micah comes to speak to the people of God who are living on a spiritual heritage of things have been going well, but now in a place of of worshipping idols and doing horrific things and the whole nation was corrupt. And the way the book of Micah is set out, it's set out in three cycles over the seven chapters. We've looked at the first cycle, which was chapters one and two. Each cycle begins with the word hear, a call to hear, to listen, to understand. So in chapter one, verse two, in chapter three, verse one, and chapter six, verse one, are the beginnings of the three cycles. And what we're looking at today in chapter three is the beginning of the second cycle of the book. And each cycle goes in the same sort of way. There's a pronouncement of judgment on the nation, followed by a salvation oracle that God will not forsake or forget his people. And the prophet is proclaiming to the people, it's time. It's time to listen, it's time to repent, it's time to get right with God. So what we're going to be looking at today, big idea, is this. To be faithful men and women of God who speak out against sin and corruption, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. To be faithful men and women of God We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got your Bible, you've hopefully found Micah, you've hopefully got to chapter 3. We're beginning the second cycle of the book, and I'm going to read the first few verses, and we will read as we go through and work our way through this. So it says this, chapter 3, verse 1, And I said, Hear, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you... To know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron, then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. 
Okay, this section um, of this, first, this third chapter is uh, like a lawsuit. God is bringing a charge through the prophet to his people. He is pointing out the leadership of the nation in particular is corrupt all the way through. And they are not fulfilling their role of to love justice, love good. In fact, they're doing the opposite. They hate justice and they love evil. They are portraying the trust placed in them as leaders of the nation of God's people. And they are acting in a way that is contrary to what God would have. And so this cycle begins, verse 1. It says, they are to hear. There is a call to hear. The prophet is proclaiming to the leaders of the nation because he's talking to the heads of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel. They represent the national leaders, the family leaders, all kind of stratas of government and authority saying, you are to hear what I am to say to you. And he's talking to the, the, the civil leaders, the judicial leaders, the administrative leaders, the family leaders of the nation. And he is calling out their evil practices, which we've seen in the first two chapters, that there's, there's something wrong in the nation of God's people. And he's saying that you are to know justice. He said, is it not for you to know justice? If you are in a role of responsibility and leadership and you're part of God's people, you should know justice. You should live for justice, and justice in the reference here is a proper ordering of society, the way God would have it. If we go back into the law, into the first five books of our Bible, it was laying out how, how the nation would run, how the, the poor and the vulnerable would be looked after, how that they would care for people, and how justice would be administered rightly among God's people, and the leaders... Whatever office they would hold must know that and act it out in accordance with it. All it was was a working out of God's character because he's a God of justice. He wants everything rightly ordered. He wants things done well, people cared for, looked after, loved. And he's pointing out that the leaders of God's people are failing it. They do not know justice. They do not know justice. The um, former... Uh, British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli described justice as truth in action. The truth of God being worked out amongst his people. And what Micah saw was actually it was falsehood and lies were in action. They were failing. And then he describes the leaders in the most horrific way possible. They are cannibals. Because if you look at the language he describes them, bearing in mind at the end of chapter 2, he described um, God as the shepherd who would care for the flock and pass them, and that was, that's the ideal. But he says, no, these guys, they are eating the people. They, they use words like tear, eat, flay, break, chop. Instead of caring for the sheep and leading them to places of pasture, to feed them, to look after them, to protect them from the um, forces around them, it says they, they want to eat them. There's skin, there's flesh, there's bones, there's meat. This is repellent language that the prophet is using to describe the leaders of God's people and how they're acting in their role. They are literally ripping apart the people and eating them. It's horrid. But that is what Micah sees. That is what the Lord sees. Instead of loving what God loved... They are loving what God hates. They are loving what God hates. And they are using their positions of responsibility to abuse the people. 
and damage the people. And the, re- the, act, the, re- the reaction, sorry, the, the response of God is rejection of his leaders. It says in verse 4, then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. It says he will hide <coughs> his face from them. And so Micah is pointing forward to a time of judgment that is coming on their leaders. And he's saying that they're going to cry out for help. And God's basically saying, I'm going to stop my ears. I'm not going to listen to you because of the way you have treated my people. It says, it says that he will hide his face. The face represents the blessing and favor of God. In the Aaronic blessing in number six, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you it was a, a representative of all the goodness of God that was coming towards his people and God's saying because of how you've acted I'm going to hide my face that is going to be removed from you and we know from what we've seen earlier in uh, the prophet Micah that judgment is coming on God's people the Assyrians are coming on God's people the northern kingdom of Israel will be destroyed in Micah's ministry he will witness that that will be completely wiped out And they will even invade Judah to a point. And so this is all coming and Micah is proclaiming to them, this is what is happening. You have been corrupt in leadership. You have dereliction of duty. And as a result, you're going to reap what you have sown. And your uh, position of power and responsibility is going to be taken from you. And you're guilty of failing in what you should be doing. It will all go terribly wrong. So the next section... So we've got guilty leaders, and then the next one, there's going to be silent prophets. It says this, verse 5, it says, Thus said the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore it will be night to you without vision, And darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. And they shall cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. And so what we've got in the first section there is Micah setting his sights on the civil leaders of the nation, the judges, the judicial leaders, the administrative leaders, uh, and proclaiming divine condemnation on here. Now he turns to the, the false prophets, so the spiritual leaders of the nation, or they should be, and he's pronouncing judgment on there. And so through this we see there is corruption through the whole nation. Every branch of leadership and authority has been corrupted. And we see first off that these guys are motivated by money. They are motivated by money because if you give them something, they declare peace. But if you don't give them something, they declare war. And so Micah begins, thus says the Lord. So he is pronouncing the word of God to them and he's speaking with the authority of God. And the role of the prophets among God's people is to keep them on the straight and narrow. It's to proclaim the word of God. It's to remind them what God said, remind them of the covenant, call them back to repentance and faith. That is what they are to do. But we see here there have been those who have been claiming lies. Those who are to shepherd God's people spiritually. They have been proclaiming a message, but it's been motivated by money. 
Because we know the worker is worth their wages. Jesus said that. And so those who would teach and proclaim the word of God would receive remuneration for what they're doing. But it turned out when they did that, the temptation is for those who pay you well, get, get something good. You, yeah, they hear good things, peace. And that's the, the whole peace, the shalom, that everything, God loves you, God's for you, everything's going to go well for you in all areas of your life, it's going to be wonderful. But if you couldn't pay them, suddenly it's like, oh, I'm going to declare war on you, you're going to hear about some bad stuff. And so we've got men proclaiming the word of God, but their motivation is money. And if you cross their palm with silver, you'll get something good. And if you don't, you'll get a tongue lashing. And so we've got these guys who are meant to be spiritual leaders, and actually what they are is they are money-grabbing charlatans who are going after money to proclaim the word of God, which is horrific uh, when you've been given that responsibility to teach and lead God's people spiritually. And the response there, God says, I'm going to silence you. You're not going to hear from me. He uses language like night without vision, darkness. Uh, the sun will go down. It will all be black. And God's saying, actually, I'm not, you're not going to hear from me. I'm going to withdraw anything. Anything you had gifting, anointing from me is going to be taken from you. You will have nothing to give to these people. It says you will be disgraced and put to shame. Those who have offended God, by not fulfilling their role and responsibility as spiritual leaders in the land, will, it will be taken from them. Whatever they had from God in leading the people, whatever authority they had will be removed from them. It is a dark and dire time when that happens to God's people. But then we have Micah in verse 8. We have a spirit-filled prophet. God always has a remnant. He always has a voice crying out and it says here Micah says I am filled with power begins but as for me so he is contrasting himself he is one who is speaking up about justice and Mike he is the one who is declaring the truth to the nation and we've already seen in the first few chapters he does not shy away from calling out sin calling people to repentance and saying we are to follow the Lord wholeheartedly we are not to worship idols and he said he is filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord. The false prophets are motivated by greed, while Micah is empowered and motivated by God's hand on his life, God's calling on his life. He is someone who is filled with justice, which we've just seen in the previous section. What were the leaders failing at? The administration of justice. And he's saying, actually, no. I am full of justice. I am full of might, strength, that is, of the power of God. Because those who seek justice brings no monetary gain when you call out the wealthy, those who are abusing power, because they're not going to give you anything. But he's saying, no, I'm going to proclaim the message. I'm going to speak with holy courage. I'm going to speak deliverance to the people. I'm going to call out transgressions and sins. It's a tough message. It's an uncomfortable message. When prophets come to speak, sometimes they speak and we think, oh, there's some nice bits, but there's also uncomfortable stuff. When they call us to repentance, when they call us to back to faithfulness of God. And this is what Elijah, uh, sorry, Micah is doing now. And he's been in the line of prophets for many years of those proclaiming to God's people. Come back to him. Speak justice. Speak truth. And this is not a popular message. It will not gain friends. And I just want to 
take a moment to speak to us here in this room because there are many of us here who have positions of responsibility and authority to lead others. And it might be in your home. You might be a parent or a grandparent or a spouse and you are there to speak the word of God into that family, into your family And you are to proclaim the word of God in its fullness to them. Some of you, it's in workplaces. You sit in positions of authority and power over others. You're the boss, you're the manager, the line manager, whatever. And there are those who report to you. And you've been given a position of authority. And you are there to serve the Lord in that place. Yes, you'll have responsibilities that your work will do. And you're there. Whether it's full-time, part-time, voluntary, it doesn't matter. But you're there for that reason to speak the word of God. Some of you are in social settings, in peer groups, in classrooms, where you are there to speak the word of the Lord to those people. And we are to be men and women filled with the power of God to speak the word of God to wherever God has placed us. And I just want to just do something. We don't often do this, but I'm going to ask you now. We've done a lot of this this morning, haven't we? If you know you have been called to speak the word of God into the situation where you are, whether it's a family one, a work one, a social one, whatever, if you want to just stand up, I'm just going to pray for you that you would be filled with the power of the Spirit of the Lord for justice and might to speak out to those where you find yourselves. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd come and fill now your people who have been called to come and speak your word. You know the situations where you find themselves. You know it intimately. You know the people who are there, whether they're young or old, whether they're related to them or they work with them or they work for them. Lord God, we pray you would fill them, fill us with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to the world around us your goodness. To call out sin when we see it. To say, that's not right, the way we're working. We don't do it like that. That's not good. To speak up for the needs of those who can't speak up for themselves. The vulnerable and the voiceless and the powerless and the poor and the broken and the hurting. Lord, give us grace to stand in that way. To be courageous. To not be motivated by other things. Money, status, Want people to like us? All these things crowd in. God, give us grace to stand firm for your kingdom. And God's people said, amen, amen. Please sit down. We're going to carry on a bit more of that at the end. Final section, verse 9. Still with us? Verse 9, it says this. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be a plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. This is Micah prophesying Jerusalem's destruction. He's spoken to those in authority. He's spoken to the leaders of the nation. He's spoken to spiritual leaders. He comes back to them and due to their sin, continued sin, 
years of sin, decades of sin, generations of sin, he's pronouncing destruction on the city of God's people, Jerusalem and the temple, which would have been the center. It was the epicenter of everything of God's people, religious, social, economic, everything. The, the temple, Solomon's temple was in Jerusalem. That's where the presence of God dwell. And he first he begins by pronouncing condemnation. He's saying to the heads of the house and the rulers, we've, we've seen this language already, the rulers of the nation, it says they detest justice and they make crooked what is straight. The word of God, straight lines. It's true. You can measure things by it. You're, you're, you're making it crooked. It doesn't work. They, they detest justice. They hate justice while God loves justice. And they build Zion, just another reference for the, the city, Jerusalem, with blood. Going back to what it said about the cannibalization of the people and with iniquity, sin, corruption. That's what they're doing. They are, they are showing themselves to be the worst kind. They think they're kind of, they're building the city, they're building God's people, they're building the nation. And actually says what you're doing is you're just building it on blood and sin. You're taking what is sacred and holy and you are corrupting it for your own evil ends. And it says they're blind to their sin. Sin does that. It actually blinds us to the truth. It blinds us to seeing it for what it is. And it says they give judgment for a bribe and the priests teach for a price and the prophets practice for money. Yet they, seem to, they claim to lean on the Lord and they say, isn't the Lord in the midst of us? What's that a reference to? The temple. The temple's in the middle of the city. In the middle of the temple is the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. All that stuff's there. And they're saying, well, God's amongst us. It'll be fine. Everything's okay. And it's like, you just don't see it. They say, nothing can happen to us. God will look after us. Everything will be okay. And the micro is saying, no, that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. You are idolatrous people. You are giving out evil intent in how you're administering your duties. God said, I'm going to take that all from, for, all from you. And we know it happens because in 586, um, Jerusalem is destroyed by Babylon. The temple is leveled. Jerusalem is leveled. It is utterly destroyed and yet they are living on uh, a false promise that just because God's here just because we're this nation because just because we have a heritage just because we've got a history we can talk about Solomon and David and Moses and Abraham we'll be fine and actually no they won't disaster is coming disaster is coming and it will result right at the end there verse 12 utter devastation it says for you Zion will be a plowed as a field. So that's the city with all its stones and all its buildings looking like a plowed field. And plowed field has furrows in it and it's, got, it's just mud. It's all been turned over and that's all you can see. And it says that's what the city will become. Jerusalem, a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house, the temple, a wooded height, utterly destroyed. That will be the result. And interestingly, if you fast forward a bit, fact fans, if you want to go to Jeremiah 26, 18, Jeremiah, who was present at the destruction of Jerusalem, quotes a prophet. Who does he quote? Micah. 
Eve says, verse 18, Micah of Morsheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and said to all the people of Judah, thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be a cloud as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. So Micah's prophecy here that we're reading is then quoted by Jeremiah saying, yep, it happened. It happened. You didn't repent. You carried on in what you're doing. And so Micah is claiming devastation is coming on this nation because of the corruption of their leaders. All right, let's ground this. Let's end this. What does this mean for us? Well, there's one thing I just want to talk about for us as God's people here and now. It's time for the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to be men and women filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be men and women filled with the Holy Spirit to lead. And we need to be men and women filled with the Holy Spirit to speak. To speak out in what we're doing. Micah was called by God, empowered by God to bring a message to his people. That message required courage on his part to proclaim something that was uncomfortable to the people there. It was countercultural because of the culture at the time was like, this is fine, everything's okay, God's going to look after us, we're all going to find. And Micah comes and preaches something totally the opposite, saying, actually, it's not fine. You're not doing this right. There's corruption. It needs to be called out. And we need to heed the warning because the, the prophets bring stuff that's uncomfortable, that we who are leaders, those of you who stood up and said you've got positions where you can speak, you're to lean there, we need to take the warning that those who have positions of authority but do not honor God in them, there are consequences. There are consequences for us. We are called to live a certain way. We are called to act a certain way. And if we don't, there are consequences. We will reap what we've sown. We are to live lives of holiness, of godliness. We are to live lives pursuing Jesus and not living for our own comfort and financial gain. We're not to make it about us, but we're to make it about him. And we're to be men and women full of the Holy Spirit. After Micah, fast forward a few hundred years, the great prophet came. Jesus, and we just read about him as we went through the book of Mark, and he came full of the Holy Spirit at his baptism. That's how the book of Mark kicks off, isn't it? First thing, oh, baptism, full of the Holy Spirit. He then goes out and he proclaims. What does he proclaim? Time is fulfilled, the kingdom of the God. What's another way of talking about the kingdom of God? Justice. That's arrived. Slaves will be set free. Captives set free, blind eyes open. That's all coming. Then what does Jesus say? What's his first thing? I've said, right, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. First message, first word. Begins with R. Repent. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. And Jesus goes around proclaiming this message, which is uncomfortable. Who does the opposition come against? Who are the people who come against it? Corrupt leaders from Jerusalem <laughs> corrupt spiritual leaders corrupt civil leaders it's all there again history repeating itself and we, I mean, we stand is no different to where we are now after Jesus comes the birth of the church full of the spirit 
who go around proclaiming the kingdom of God, telling people to repent, be baptized, and it runs through the whole of the book, uh, the back end of our New Testament. Paul even says to the church in Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit, keep being filled. Why? To continue the mission of God, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to proclaim justice, to call out sin, to call men and women to repentance and faith in following him. And we, as men and women, are to live in the good of that. And we are not to, we're not to succumb to the comfort culture that we exist in, where everything's about making my life easier and my life better. Because that's the, that's the air we breathe. But actually we're to go out and we're to proclaim an uncomfortable message which says actually you're not right before God and you need to repent. He loves you, he's for you, he wants to know you. He's made a way through Christ's death and resurrection. And we're to keep proclaiming that message and it will not win us friends. And it will not make life easy but it's what we've been asked to do. Because this nation needs to hear it. Because we live in a nation that's living on the good of a great spiritual heritage, but spiritually speaking, we're in a downward spiral. It's not looking good as well as it had. We've got great heroes of faith from the past. Yay, weren't they wonderful? Proclaiming the gospel, worldwide missionaries, all that kind of thing. But actually, we can't live on that. We need to be speaking now. <laughs> to proclaiming a message now in all the places we find ourselves, in our classrooms, in our homes, in our, our workplaces, in our peer groups, in our churches. So we need to be men and women who are full of the Holy Spirit. It's time for that. Amen? Do you want to stand? We're band, do you want to come up? We're going to spend some time now responding to that and praying for one another, worshiping Jesus, praying another that we would be men and women full of the Holy Spirit full of the Holy Spirit because it's time it's time for that I know we've had some great experiences recently prayer meetings Sunday I know people have had great encounters with God people have been set free from things lots of wonderful stuff's happening let's keep going let's pray for more we're not there particularly those who stood earlier who know that they have a responsibility where they find themselves you, as we, I'm going to pray for you again, pray for all of us, but as we worship God, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. Should we do that? Maybe you want to close your eyes, open your hands, do whatever you feel works for you in this situation. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you made a way where there is no way, that when we were lost, you called us out. When we were far from you, you brought us in that you forgave us, you restored us, you brought us into a family so we have a Father in heaven, then you filled us with your Spirit that we might go out into the world and proclaim this message. Lord, we come before you today, God, and we say it's time for the Spirit. It's time for us to be men and women filled with the Spirit. We pray you empower us, that we may serve you, that we may follow you, that whichever sphere whichever little bit of this world we inhabit, the people we connect with, the homes we walk in, the workplaces and the schools we go to, Lord, that we would go there empowered by you, filled with your spirit, filled with your power and might to love and serve you in our way. God, let us be men and women who proclaim justice wherever we go, who speak that out, Lord, in whatever way 
is appropriate for where we find ourselves, Lord Jesus. We commit ourselves to you afresh this morning. We say we love you. We honor you. We seek to serve you. God's people said, 